Rogers Arena, Kalinka, Knox Games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. Eight o'clock on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go, as the song suggests, Brendan Batchelor now on the Health and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Batch. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Good. Y'all excited for the Hughes Bowl this evening? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I was, you know, looking through some of the the historical information that we get from Sportsnet stats before a game like this, and there are only so many families who have had this happen to them, where they've had three brothers or three members of the same family play in the same game, and and only so many of those families not named Sutter as well. Right. So, pretty cool moment for the Hughes parents, I'm sure, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch tonight. Yeah, I mean, we were just uh, speaking about not necessarily the three brothers, but just how remarkable their seasons are collectively and individually. We we're talking to Chris Peters and Greg Wachinski, and they both brought up like you could have a Hart Trophy finalist, a Norris finalist, a Calder finalist, all in the same family, all on the same night, all playing in the same game. And, you know, with specific regards to Quinn Hughes' batch, and Jason and I were just talking about this prior to the break. Can't quite put our finger on it as to exactly what it is, and there's probably no statistic or anything to quantify it. There's just something different about his game this year. Part of it is probably confidence. Part of it is probably something from leadership. Part of it's the ice time as well. But have you noticed that as well in watching this ascension to Norris candidate that Quinn Hughes, there's just something extra, I guess, for lack of a better term, about his game this year? Yeah, and you know, if there is a stat to quantify it, I think it's probably the goal scoring. Which, yeah, that's true. You know, he's right. He's already hit a career high in goals for a season, and it's what game twenty six tonight. Uh, I think he's been a lot more aggressive in terms of creating offense, and not creating offense in the way he did before with his tremendous passing and his elusive skating ability. But now, using that skating ability to get into scoring areas himself and being more confident to release his shot, and we've seen his shot improve. And um, so from an offensive perspective, that's certainly an area where he's uh, taken a, a noticeable leap in, in his game. But defensively, too, I think, you know, he's learning more all the time. He's a guy that, you know, just from talking to him over the last few years, prides himself on getting better every year, improving his game, and all the best players in the game are wired like that, and he's certainly one of them. And we've seen him level up to the point where you're right. I think everybody recognized him as a good young defenseman in the league before this year, but uh, most people around the league would probably have said, well, you know, Caleb McCarr is the cream of the crop, and Hughes is probably in the tier below that it's pretty clear that he's no longer in a tier below anyone. And he's one of the very best defensemen in the entire world at this point with the way he's playing right now and the way he's led this team this season too. 
Yeah, there's an assertiveness to his game, and I think yeah. your your point about him getting to the scoring areas is important because a lot of people will just focus on his shot, which has improved. Like he's got a he's got a great shot, and I wouldn't have said that even last season. I would have said, okay, he's, he can get it on net sometimes, but it's more like. God, in, in football words, it's almost like he's able to like get outside the pocket and then skate downhill and get to those scoring areas. He's not just, in other words, he's not just flinging the puck on that. And I was actually a little bit worried when I heard him. It's like, I, I want to score more goals. I was like, well, I hope you have a plan for that because just shooting more isn't going to help the Canucks. But the way he's found those scoring areas certainly has. Yeah, and I think the the football analogy is a good one where, you know, it feels like he's a quarterback that can beat you with his legs now instead of just staying back in the pocket. And we've seen that with, you know, it's kind of become a trademark goal of his where he gets down that left wing aggressively and then gets a shot from from wide there, but he's able to pick the top corner on the far side. Like we've seen him wire that off the post and in a couple of different times against a couple of different goalies. And um, so that's something that, you know, I – and Rick Tockett has spoken about this too. Like when you're a winger and you've got to go out against Quinn Hughes uh, to to the point and and try and uh, limit him, he's just got so many tools in his arsenal that, you know, he he can defer. Uh, He's a great passer. So he can find guys that that are open. Uh, He can, you know, elude you with his skating ability and and quickness and, and get down the wall himself and create offense. And I think that's, that's one area like, yes, the goals are, they're, they're great. But the thing that makes Quinn Hughes so great is that you never know which way he's going to beat you, but he's going to beat you. And he does it <laughs> routinely. And, and you know, with, you know, it's, it's interesting having Brett Festerling call some of the games with us here as a former NHL defenseman. Like, he will multiple times a night just be completely blown away by something that Hughes does. And this is a guy that, that played in the NHL and obviously was a different style of defenseman than Quinn Hughes was for sure. But, you know, we're, we're almost spoiled in Vancouver where it's, oh, there's Quinn Hughes again making, you know, going back to retrieve a puck in his own zone and eluding the forecheck and skating it out of his own end look like it's a walk in the park. But these are things that most defensemen in the NHL don't make look that easy. And then in the offensive zone, it's the same thing. You know, is he going to shoot it? Is he going to skate it down the wall? Is he going to spin away from you at the point and create himself a shooting lane or a passing lane where it looked like there wasn't one? These are all things that are are routine for Quinn Hughes now. And it's pretty special to watch. And I think we probably need to take a moment and appreciate how how lucky we are here in Vancouver to watch Quinn Hughes do the things he does on a nightly basis. Yeah, we've only waited our entire lives for a defenseman like this in Vancouver. We should probably appreciate it <laughs> while we've got it. No, I, I appreciate it every night watching Quinn Hughes. I, I, I really do. He is he is a special player. Um, as for tonight's game, is it a pretty safe bet that special teams will be a factor? Yeah, I was going to say, the the Devils are lethal on the power play, and we've been talking about the Canuck penalty kill in the last little bit is kind of coming back down to earth here. I think part of that is personnel-based when you look at, you know, Susie and Suter both being out of the lineup, and uh, even before they were out of the lineup, uh, Bluger was out of the lineup, so they've never really had all of their brand-new shiny PK toys in the lineup at the same time, but discipline has to be a key for the connection this game tonight because New Jersey is so lethal on the power play and they've got so many weapons that can hurt you. And they've got all sorts of scoring depth on their roster too, um, that, 
that either your penalty kill needs to have a really good night or you need to be really disciplined because that could cost you the game. And then, you know, conversely, the Canucks also, of course, have a great power play. And, you know, it it could end up being a game of who can be more effective on their man advantages, who can be more lethal when they get the opportunity to go up a man. And and that could decide who wins it tonight. Uh, The Canucks are starting a five-game homestand, New Jersey, Minnesota, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida, all in town over the next 10 days or so. No back-to-backs, which begs the question of, how do you think uh, they'll deploy their goaltenders? We haven't seen Casey DeSmith since that loss to San Jose on November 25th. Yeah, I would imagine that we'll see DeSmith get at least one, if not two games on the homestand. I'm not 100% sure where they will get him in, but um, based on the fact that they haven't been afraid to you know, only use him in back-to-back situations, I would imagine he gets at least one of these games. And with only one back-to-back the rest of the month, you know, if, if they don't get him in here, then that's one game he's playing in the month of December, which... Um, you know, with the way they want to manage Demko's um, workload, I, I would expect that he'll probably get one game on this homestand. He'll certainly get one game on that four-game road trip, if not two, uh, because they have the, the back-to-back, but it's a, a four-game road trip overall. And you know, I'll be interested to see how DeSmith does. Not that his game, you know, was noticeably worse, let's say, in his last couple of games, but he had gone unbeaten in regulation until his last two starts, if I'm not mistaken, and now has lost a couple in a row. And uh, one of the big hallmarks of how well he played early in the year was that, you know, the team had confidence in him and played well in front of him as well. It wasn't just when Demko went in. And uh, so they need to continue to play confident in front of him and he needs to continue to earn that confidence behind them. Um, If I'm trying to pick games, maybe the Minnesota game on Thursday makes sense to get him in there. Um, you know, maybe against one of the, the Florida teams next week because they're not conference opponents. If you're looking at it that way, could make sense. And then you imagine he'll for sure either get the game in Minnesota on Saturday, December 16th, or in Chicago on Sunday, December 17th. Um, what else are you going to be looking for tonight? Uh, we can talk maybe a little bit about Elias Pettersson. Did you think he had a little more jump uh, against the Calgary Flames? Yeah, I did. Uh, Trending in the right direction, I would say. And I thought that line was pretty good with Lafferty there. Now, that's not necessarily going to be a long-term solution in the top six. But I thought, you know, in uh, in a limited sample size there, you know, Lafferty's a guy, he's a straight-ahead player, north-south player, as Rick Tockett would say, does a good job of getting to the net. And I thought Patterson was more on the inside, a little bit more effective in that regard. You know, him and Mikheyev are both there at the side of the goal for that puck that gets whacked in and then you know obviously he'll take the empty netter on the tip from Zadorov. that's not necessarily how you draw it up but any sort of offense for Pedersen you would imagine would help boost his confidence and um with the with the way the top six is currently constructed and I guess we'll wait and see if it remains that way tonight there's going to be more on his shoulders on that line without someone like Kuzmenko playing with him although you know, Lafferty, I think, has been effective in limited stretches, creating offense, too. But, um, you know, make no mistake, I don't think any of us are sitting here saying that Sam Lafferty is the answer to the, the top six winger problem they have right now. So mm-hmm. that puts more on Pedersen's shoulders. But then potentially um, not having Kuzmenko on his line, it could get him away from some matchups. And I think that's one of the benefits of 
Uh, this homestand here is is Rick Tockett might be able to get Pedersen out in some more favorable situations to let him do his thing and and try and get back to the form that we saw from him early in the year. Um, what does Nikita Zadorov need to do in order to just get ramped up as a member of the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, to me, the the only thing like I liked his game the other night in Calgary. I just thought that. Uh, in terms of some of the systems play or the reads he's supposed to make within that system, he looked like he was still finding his feet. And that's something that will only come with, you know, practice time and familiarity and, and doing video with the coaches and all of these things. So in many ways, it's a perfect time to acquire him because as you allude to five game homestand with no back to back. So they're going to have a lot of practice time over the next couple of weeks for him to get, you know, acclimated to the way that they play. But you know, other than that, I think he he just raises the floor on what this blue line is capable of doing. You don't have to have both Noah Juleson and Mark Friedman in the lineup on a night to night basis. And once you get Susie back from injury, you know, assuming that everybody else stays healthy, you won't need to have either of those guys in the lineup on a night to night basis. So that's something that you know will will allow this blue line, I think, to improve as the season moves on. And for Zadorov, you know. I think his game is relatively simple in terms of what they expect of him, you know, be a big body that's hard to play against in the defensive zone, use your physical presence, lay the body where you get the opportunity. And then when you get the chance, move the puck up the ice and, you know, maybe get involved in the offense too. But um, I, I thought Zadorov was pretty good in his debut, except for a couple of things where I think you could tell that, you know, his read was not the read that they were supposed to do within the system, but that's something that'll just come with time. And I would expect him to even be noticeably better in that regard tonight already because of having had a chance to practice with the group over the last couple of days. So the Canucks had the day off yesterday. I assume a lot of them will probably hit the ice this morning. Do we know if there could be any lineup changes tonight? Uh, we don't yet, and I would expect not based on, you know, a trend where Rick Tockett generally speaking, keeps things together coming off uh, a win. I, I guess the only thing could be is if they're getting somebody back from injury, but we haven't seen Pugh Suter at a practice yet. Uh, so and Patrick Alvin last week downgraded his status from day-to-day to week-to-week. -to -week. So uh, I think that's a, a longer-term injury than they initially thought. Susie at this point, I don't think he's back till the new year or at the very least till after Christmas. So um, it's likely the guys they've got and I guess we'll see. They, they do have the option of, of bringing Di Giuseppe back in uh, up front, or they do have the option of swapping out Juleson and Friedman, I guess. But um, at this point, that's not what I would expect, and we'll find out more later this morning when the team takes the ice for the morning skate. We're speaking to Canucks radio play-by-play -play man Brendan Batchelor here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I know, Batch, J Jason and I have talked about this five-game homestand coming up and broken mm -hmm. it down in individual segments, but collectively, big picture, this is a really, really important stretch of the season for the Canucks for a variety of reasons. One, they haven't had a roads a uh, homestand uh, of this length yet. I think the longest one so far was a three-game set. So five at home against good opponents for sure, but ones that are vulnerable, especially I think in terms of uh, goals allowed. And it's also worth noting that like the Canucks are eight, two and one on home ice this year. So given what yeah. they've done at home and then what they've got in these five games, this is a real opportunity to, to solidify the positioning in the standings and to make hay at home because they've been on the road quite a bit over the last little bit. Yeah, so and and not just that, but I think the entire schedule up to Christmas, including this homestand, is a big opportunity because even, you know, you look at that four-game road trip all against Central Division teams, 
couple of teams lower down in the standings that you could be able to take advantage of. You've got Minnesota twice the rest of this month. Uh, you've got San Jose at home in the final game before the holiday break. And then, yeah, lots of, lots of time on home ice. Uh, against some good teams, you're right, you know, four Eastern Conference teams that, that are all capable of, of winning games on the road coming in. Uh, but, you know, in, in a lot of those cases, you'll be the more rested team. Uh, you, of course, get the last change, and we've seen how effective the Canucks have been on home ice. And I think the other thing to note is how good Thatcher Demko's numbers have been on home ice as opposed to on the road. He's been phenomenal at Rogers Arena, and I'm sure part of that is the performance of the group in front of him and, um, you know, I, I, I never underrate the matchup game. I think it's a, a huge factor in how successful teams can be. But look, it, this is something the Canucks haven't had in past years. You know, they they struggled mightily on home ice last season in particular. And, you know, they were under a lot of pressure after the slow start they had. And, and the building wasn't always a great place to be on a lot of nights. So you can understand that. But um, you know, it's, it's been a much, much more festive atmosphere inside Rogers arena this year because of the way the team's playing because of how much success they've had. And multiple guys in that room have talked about how much the crowd has given them a lift as well. So heading into the holiday season to have this many games on home ice and an opportunity to continue to push your way up the standings and try and extend your lead over some of the teams that are, you know, coming back into the picture and, and starting to win games again, like the win on Saturday over the flames, I thought was crucial in terms of, of keeping them down and, and behind you in the standings. And although you look at this homestand and none of the, none of the games, excuse me, are against divisional opponents. If you can continue to rack up points and rack up wins, it, it only suits you, you know, well later in the season, uh, that that cushion is as big as it possibly can be. And the more you can do now to create a bigger cushion, the better you're set up down the stretch, not just in terms of winning games and finishing as high as you can in the standings, but in terms of managing the minutes of some of your top players, managing the starts of your goaltenders. And, you know, it's interesting to, to look at uh, Canucks first half of the season or nearly first half of the season anyway, that's had a successful start. And how when you have that successful start, there are so many other things that could fall into place for you in terms of how you can manage the second half of the season to continue to have success and build on the, you know, the start that you've had. And that's what I think we're seeing from the Canucks. And a, a good homestand and a good month of December would go a long way in improving their ability to do that the rest of the way. Batch, thanks for this, bud. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Make sure you get downtown early. It's going to be a bit chaotic. And have a good call. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, Brendan Batchelor, Canucks radio play-by-play man here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I mentioned a short while ago that we're going to be doing what we learns coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You can get yours in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag it WWL and tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Jason learned something, apparently, and he wants to tell us about it now. Well, I learned, and I'm reading an article by Eric Engels at sportsnet.ca, that expansion was not a formal topic on the agenda of yesterday's Board of Governors meeting. We'll see if they get to it today um, or the matter of relocation. Um, but perhaps related to all this, mm. there was a report from Darren Drager that uh, the Arizona Coyotes are finalizing the purchase of a piece of land in Phoenix to build an arena. They're hoping to announce the project plans next month. Hmm. Now, hmm. 
We've been through this before with the Coyotes. Fool, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me nine times, that's probably my bad. You won't get right? fooled. My name is Gary Bettman. Um, so we'll see where this goes. But, um, you know, the NHL has remained steadfast in its commitment to this market. Mm-hmm. And there's good reason for that. It's a huge market. And I actually do believe that if they get the arena done in the right place where people can go and it doesn't take forever to get there like it did for Glendale, they didn't have to deal with the traffic. Um, You know, eh, Dregs reports there's a piece of land in Phoenix. Okay, is that Phoenix proper or does he mean the greater Phoenix area? I don't know. Um, you know, the Phoenix Suns play in downtown Phoenix, and that's where the, the baseball team plays as well. So it's possible that this just could be in downtown Phoenix as opposed to a place like Scottsdale, for example, which would be awesome if they could build an arena there. That would be a fun place to visit. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder, you know, um, could the momentum from the Coyotes playing pretty well help if there has to be any public support for this? Um, the Coyotes do have potential just because they've got all these draft picks and they've got the cap space to do stuff. They've just been running on a shoestring because they don't have very high revenues right now because they're playing in a college arena. Um, But that is the latest. It's, I don't know if how much, you know, credibility you want to get, not credibility, but how much credence you want to give this because we've been down this road before with the Coyotes. You know, stretching back years and years, like, no, we got a piece of land, we got the plan, and then for whatever reason, it always seems to fall apart on the Coyotes. But that is the latest, and we'll see if either the Arizona Coyotes reps or Gary Bettman or Bill Daly addresses that today at the Board of Governors. Give me a moo cow on that. You can find a howl there. Well... I learned that uh, our favorite name in college football could now be a Heisman Trophy winner, Michael Penix, a.k.a. Michael Penix Jr., uh, a Heisman finalist, four finalists. And it's great that the pomp and circumstance of the annual Heisman Trophy is out there and congrats to all the finalists, but it's going to Jaden Daniels. So I've never I can't remember the last time I've seen such a heavy Heavy betting favorite mm-hmm. for the Heisman. Usually, was he there's a transfer all- guy. Was he at like ASU before? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so and then I- he went to LSU and he had an unbelievable season. He had like 40 touchdowns and five interceptions. And you, you wonder where like the quarterback position in the mock draft. I have seen, for example, Michael Penix being a first round pick, like and quite early. In some mock drafts, and I've seen some drafts where he's not even taken in the first, right? First so the round. G- general school of thought is that was Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Caleb Williams are going to be top ten picks at the in the quarterback position. Caleb Williams is going. Kyler Caleb Williams will go yeah. first. Drake May sounds like. Uh, if the right team finishes at number two, that I mean, one looking for a quarterback, like say the New England Patriots, he would be a pick there. And then Daniels. Now, you brought up something interesting in the notes here about the possibility of maybe Daniels going to the New Orleans Saints, another one of those teams that is pretty QB thirsty. Like, all due respect, I feel bad for what Derek Carter's had to go through this year because he's taken a beating. Yeah. He's been twice, he's been in the concussion But he's not protocol. the answer. He's not the answer. He, no, but it's his first year right? on the job. Yeah, but, 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 you and know, they, I, I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. His play hasn't been fantastic, but I feel like he's taken such a beating 
that you're never, I don't think they're ever going to get a sense of what he could be as their starter because they probably want to turn the page now anyway, especially with an LSU guy sitting there, right? Do you think the Seahawks will take a quarterback in the draft? Doesn't have to be in the first round, doesn't have to be in the second round. Do you think at the end of the day, the Seahawks will finish their draft and they will have drafted a quarterback. I mean, does it count if they take one like the sixth or seventh yeah, round? Of course it counts. Yeah, I think they'll take Literally a quarterback. Literally just said it doesn't have to be in the first I, round or the I second know, round. but there's a big difference between taking someone in the second, third, or taking Well, they can ba- end up with Brock Purdy. Bailey Zappi or whomever. Yeah, right? Brock Purdy. Um I do really wonder if they're gonna look around the league and see what might shake loose from current NFL teams. You know, there yeah, there are just, just like like what Kirk Cousins. Maybe? I'm not saying I approve of the move, but where mm. they're at and what I know of John Schneider and Pete Carroll, I wonder if it'll be. Do we take a look at Justin Fields? If, I'd have if time for that. I'd have time for that. Do you take a look yeah. at Daniel Jones if the Giants decide? I would to not have on? time for that. Do you want to take a one or two year flyer on Kirk Cousins as your quarterback? Mm. I mean, they're going to be there or are going to be options. or just draft a guy and bring Geno back. Yeah, there there are going to be options out there. I just don't know. Outside of Fields, who I still think is intriguing, um, I don't know if I'd go through the NFL recycling program. There's a responsibility that the Seahawks have to bring in somebody capable, though, because look at their receiver core. It's too talented. Although last game was a step in the right direction. I thought they played incredibly well on offense against the Cowboys. Yeah, the the fourth downs kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah, but that's for three. That's a, that's a combination of desperate play calling, but play calling and execution. Big picture, Geno goes for four touchdowns. I think it was three in the air to Metcalf, and then one on the ground. Um, in a primetime game, I think for nine times out of ten, you're like, I, I will take that as a good performance. I was more impressed, to be honest, with what Shane Waldron did because I was having major concerns yeah. about his play calling. Now at the end of the game. Didn't love it. Didn't love the way that they executed down the stretch. I didn't love the play calling on that final drive. And I still think that there's a disconnect between what Geno can do mm-hmm. in terms of moving around and getting rid of the ball and what they're not calling protection wise. They don't they don't seem to have an they they don't seem to have a a consistent game plan. No. Like they still don't know what they want to be. And I think a lot of the problems have started with Kenneth Walker being out. Yeah, and I feel like the screen passing game could be more heavily utilized. And I know mm-hmm. Brady Henderson brings it up all the time when we yeah. have him on. It's like, where's the screen game? Where's the screen game? And it seems like when they do sort of get it going, they either get away from it or the guys don't have the ability to execute. And part of that, you're right, is because a of A lot Walker. of it's blocking, right? Yeah, and, and Charbonnet's done an okay yeah. job. He's a rookie running back. He's still learning his craft. Uh, get you what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line. 650-650. We'll read them on the other side of the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.33 on a Tuesday. Not just any Tuesday, everybody. Do you guys know it's uh, World Trick Shot Day? In what kind of trick shot? Like, well, it's it was I think sort of originated from the Harlem Globetrotters, so basketball. But oh, I think okay. it transcends sport really. 
any trick shot you want to do. Everything I throw in the trash today is going to be a trick shot in right. honor of this day. That is going to miss shot. every single one of them. You know all those content creators that film themselves for 17 consecutive hours trying to flip a water bottle right. and then have it land on top of another water bottle perfectly? This I want to see day. the outtakes of those guys like fighting with each other. It's like, when are we going to do this? Are we wasting our lives? <laughs> are you kidding me? Those dude perfect guys built an empire off that. Yeah, I know. You know how know. rich those guys are? I know. It's crazy. Are those the guys that started it? Um, I don't know if they started it, but they're definitely the ones that have become the most popular and have capitalized mm. on it. Yeah. I think the Harlem Globetrotters started it. How many, yeah, how many, how many, is it a freaking ladder? How many guys, uh, have like are failing at it and their parents come home every day and they're setting up all these like Sorry. very uh, advanced things and like they've got ping pong balls bouncing all over the yep. house and they're like, you need to get a job. This is not work. No, mom, mom, like I just, I just got to nail a few of these. So they have 17,000 takes and that was the best <laughs> one. It plays on social media. It does. I watch them. Yeah. Oh, watch I guess them. social media, never yeah. mind. You watch Sportsnet any given night? They got, oh, let's just run, I don't know, like hey, a half hour of You kids. never know what yeah. seemingly useless thing might end up turning into a career. Like, for years, my parents would always get on my case about consistently referencing The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of utilize that yeah. for yeah. my job. Yeah. Like, it's, I kind of make a living at Look at all the my cereal Simpsons. you've eaten. Like, it's paid off because yeah. now that's that's your thing, right? Exactly. You're the cereal guy. Never, yeah. never, never shut down your dreams. <laughs> always chase them. All right. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, we still have some what we learned from our side of the table, right? Bruff and I already went. Uh, Laddie. You're up. I don't know what direction you're going in, but I'm, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Well, Bruff, you're pretty tall. How, how tall are you? Uh, six, four, six, five. I don't know. I would, would you like a new giant hockey stick? Because uh, the one in Couchin's for sale now. Oh, nice. that, the, the one, did that, was originally in Duncan? Yes. So the one on the Couchin Community Center, the big mm-hmm. stick, they call it. Clever. Great name. Uh, they held a public survey regarding the future of it because it's fallen apart. And they have decided Those that... Those sticks. The well, big they, stick has collapsed. They don't have the <laughs> record the anymore. Now. They There's don't have a, the what? They, they don't, don't have the, the record anymore. It's no longer the world's biggest hockey stick. There's oh. one in the States now that has defeated the record. Where is it? In Minnesota? It's in North Dakota in or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they've decided to Mexico, weirdly, dismantle it from the building and they're going to sell it off. And mm-hmm. that'll be that. They're not going to replace it. They're not going to do anything. Well, maybe Connor Garland can, you know, take a hint. <laughs> It's this bigger stick, buddy. <laughs> so if, you've ever, if you've ever wanted a giant, I don't even know how many feet, like 40 feet tall uh, hockey stick. Okay. There you go. Do we have a price on it? 62 meter wooden stick. Uh, Highest bidder, baby. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think it's going up for auction. Do you think they'll accept like creative trades? <laughs> I'll give you the world's biggest. trades accepted. <laughs> the world's biggest lacrosse stick for the world's biggest hockey stick. All right, give us a mooka on that. $8. Do we have $8 here? <laughs> uh, A-Dog. Yes. You're from the world of gaming. Yes, I am a nerd. Yeah. Uh, very excited to announce. I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa. We're, that, that's a very... Uh, <laughs> no, Isn't it cool to be a nerd now? <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. But I am an actual nerd. Back in the day, it was triggering. I don't know what it is. I've been a nerd now. my whole life, but uh, now it just happens to be cool, nerd, so it's no, not no, as no, bad no, no. Let's just, I just want to eliminate that that idea around this, because to, like, to consider gaming is like so universally popular. Yeah, it's part of, yeah. Yeah. No, it's right. part of the... The, the nerds, it's six billion, six billion of them together. Anyway, yeah. go on. 
But I'm one of the OGs. I'm going to say I've been around. Okay, all right. Get on with it. that's what I'm saying. Get on with it, nerd. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer (laughs) launched yesterday. It was supposed to launch this morning, uh, but it launched last night because somebody ended up leaking it. So Rockstar Gaming, who games, who makes the Grand Theft Auto series, they're like, all right, well, never mind. We'll just release the trailer ourselves. Already the most viewed video game trailer of all time, like 600-something million views on YouTube and on Twitter. And it's it's like this mass. It's it's pretty much one of the most anticipated games of all time time the last one came out i want to say uh, what was 2013 i want to say so 10 years ago now this one's coming out in 2025 so it's going to be 12 years between gta grand theft auto 5 and 6 so grand theft auto has like become a part of people's not just youth but lives because yeah, the, the franchise has been around for been forever, around forever. Right? It's, it's like mario and zelda I it's took, one of those sort of like st- gaming st- franchise. Oh, wow. Yeah. interesting to see what you Pitfall have on, on there. Zelda. Yeah, that's up there. Not Pitfall, amazingly enough. Also <laughs> not making it Minesweeper. Um, Grand Theft Auto. Mar- the Mario franchise. Yep, yep. And then I Mario. guess... Mario, sorry. And then I guess Call of Duty? Oh, that's up there for modern. I mean, if we're talking game sales, Pokemon is, I think, still the most sold game franchise. And uh, and The Sims as well. Those two franchises have sold the What's most. What's wrong with Pokemon. So you can't see this uh, if you're not watching the stream, but Jason Bruff, you remember when Homer goes to the cider factory and then <laughs> the brain leaves his head? <laughs> so Jason's done that now. So for those that don't know, Jason is not, um, he didn't, you say you play video games as a kid, but you didn't. He played at, one at my, game. And my friends, plus, plus. Right. Yeah. And, and, Jason was more of a cup and ball games. guy. Well, maybe he's just jealous because he wasn't allowed to have video games. That's where it's all rooted. But he, Here's he, a ball. The, you could bounce it. Yep. Oops, I see your ball got away. Uh, <laughs> now, part of this is, I think you still correlate um, video games with like child's play as like wrestling is no, for children. No, I don't. I'm just not interested in it. Okay. Like we had someone complaining they weren't interested in college football and I was like, okay, no, that's no, no, fine. No. We had multiple people yeah, complaining that they fine. weren't I'm interested in I'm just not interested. I'm just going to take, hey, gonna take a, a little people, rest have, while you guys talk. I'm not going to okay, interrupt you. Know. I'm not going to be rude. I'm just going to put my head down on the Whoop. table <laughs> and just, you know. And your like, body will just sort of collapse yeah. as your brain leaves it. I'll do like my mom did at the Canucks Flyers game in the 80s sitting front row. She just brought out a yeah. <laughs> is that woman knitting? Rick Tockett staring at her. Like, are you reading? I guess She's the like, one. I got fi- the new Daniel Steele. I yeah, guess the one right. final point I want to make before I bore Bruff too much is that, and and even Bruff can agree to this. If I show you like a screenshot of this trailer, game graphics have gotten so good now that I honestly can't tell sometimes when it's real and when it's not. Yeah. Well, like there were a couple panorama shots in the new trailer we were just talking about that I was like, is this a, am I looking at a game still or is this just like real life footage? Like it's gotten to that yeah. point now with games where they just look so real. It's it's a little mind blowing. Yeah, it really gives you a rush when you kill someone because it looks real. <laughs> yeah, I had a 747 yeah. like, on the, a beach. What is the idea of Grand Theft Auto? Uh, chaos, pretty much. Like, are you a criminal? It's just an open world, yeah, and yeah, you, yeah, get, you get to fill the story. And mm, okay, it's not the most wholesome franchise. This was put. I don't know, but I mean, it shouldn't be. It should be like an escape, right? Yes, exactly. That, that's yeah. what it's, and everyone wants to be what a criminal secretly. Rough stops at all the red lights when you. Fight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is obey the traffic rules. Walks around nice tickets. and slow, man. There's what so much crime going on in around this game. Me. Everyone's yeah. being so cordial. Hi, the police. <laughs> I'm Officer Bruff. Here's your ticket for jaywalking. Okay, mook out. Okay, uh, print out the uh, humanoid submissions for that down matrix. The gaming mook out be like, uh, what we learned. Oh, we got to do the whole thing. All right. 
Do you like anything on the show today? <laughs> what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God. We're having a fire plan. Taja Blueberry Guy, what we learned. When nerds have Riz, you get the A-Dog. Does A-Dog I'll have that. Riz? I'll take that. Yeah. Is that good? You have Riz. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quirky charm. Okay. And you're endearing. All right. I'll call it Riz. Cool. Okay. The world has passed me by. <laughs> what we learned. The Coyotes unsigned. The Coyotes have the same odds of getting an arena as I do of getting that treehouse my dad promised me when I was five. Yeah, it was similar. Similar probably. You know, my dad built me a, a fort once. It kind of looked like a shanty town, though. Like an like outdoors with wood and yeah, nails yeah, yeah. and everything. In yeah. a little corner of the yard, we put up some plywood. I was like, this doesn't look like my. What do you do with that muddy patch in the corner of our yard? I'll build yeah. something for Jason. Yeah. A lot of nails sticking out here, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> it's like another Simpsons reference when they build the house for the Flanders. Uh, we paint it over the dirt. Chapin. This is your master bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Chayton and Surrey, enough. What we learned, seeing the Pacers and its fan base so excited about beating Boston in the in-season tournament yesterday shows the tournament's got great potential. Eventually, teams will all want to take it seriously and aim to win the double, just like Premier League clubs aim to win the treble. Yeah, they're going to need another tournament. Very interesting how this is... I don't know if it's resonated with the fans as much, but the players and coaches are surprisingly more into it than I thought they would be. So we're down to the semifinals. We've got two semifinalists, Indiana and New Orleans. Uh, The Lakers will play Phoenix for another spot, and Milwaukee will play New York for the other spot. So I guess the the Ringer had a big article about it too. Tyrese Halliburton went off for the Pacers yesterday and kind of said it was like, you got the sense that when he was playing, like there was something on the line. Like he stepped up and had this fantastic performance. And um, I guess when when I heard uh, Silver, who I called, by the way, you were on vacation, I referred to him as David Silver. Oh, okay. He was a <laughs> character funny. from Beverly Hills 90210. Adam Silver uh, talked about it. He brought up a good point and he said, everyone talks about the European players being into this because they have things like Champions League and et cetera, et cetera. He's like, but you got to understand almost all of our players that have gone through collegiately, their basketball season is made up of a bunch of in-season tournaments. Like, mm-hmm. they all go at the beginning of the year and play. And the like, Maui Invitational. The Maui Invitational is a classic. A lot of them play over Christmas. They play in tournaments. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of their regular season, they go to their conference tournaments. So all of our players have experience with this. It's going to be a new experience for the fans of these NBA teams. And, I again... I think it was, at the end of the day, it was a harmless exercise because, like, who cares? The regular season yeah. games, yeah. Try something We're the new. experiment. Yeah. It's ex- I was skeptical about it, but it's something. And it seems like it's kind of working. I don't know if I love the courts. They're too colorful. They're yeah, too, they're, they're too, a little much. They're too exciting. But you do need something to do. <laughs> I agree. They're, they're too exciting. It's <laughs> <There's, laughs> the first thing I noticed. I was like, it's so bright. Yeah, it's too much. It's distracting. However, it takes me a long time now when I turn on an NBA game. I'm like, who is who right. with the jerseys, right? <laughs> the it was color. the same last night, frankly, with the with the, uh, the Bengals and Jags. I was like, who, which which team is who? Uh, What's yeah, going on? Because well, the Bengals were rocking the all-whites. Well, which are cool. Yeah, they're, 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 they are pretty good, actually. That was We didn't talk enough about that game, by the way, because because um, we ran out of time in the first segment. Well, so quarterbacking right now in the NFL, I think we've ex- kind of ex- explained that it's not great, right? But yesterday we saw another high-profile starting quarterback go down in Trevor Lawrence, and he was going up. So that was supposed to be 
Trevor Lawrence against Joe Burrow on Monday Night Football. And immediately Nathan Rourke started trending in Canada. It's like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it ended, Jackals. Up, it ended up being Jake Browning versus C.J. Beathard. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just think about this. We are getting closer and closer to the start of the playoffs. And I know you don't play fantasy football, but fantasy football playoffs start right away. The following are a list of QB Is fantasy football just in disarray right now? Complete chaos. My starting quarterbacks this year were Trevor Lawrence and Kirk Cousins. Okay. In that that league that I'm in with Drance. (laughs) You start two quarterbacks in that one. It's a super flex league. I don't have any quarterbacks left. I right. my quarterbacks now are Will Levis mm-hmm. and Aiden McConnell or O'Donnell, whoever the hell the guy was, <laughs> the guy in Vegas for a couple of weeks there. Anyway, matchups this weekend. Aiden O'Connell, that's who it is. Uh, so Bailey Zappi is going to go up against Mitch Trubisky on Thursday Night Football. That's a prime time game, a prime time game. You've got Zappi Trubisky, C.J. Beathard if he starts for the Jags. Next game, which mm-hmm. he probably will. He's going to take on the Cleveland Browns and Joe Flacco. Right. Gardner Minshew is going to take on Jake Browning next weekend. That's an all. So that's Jake Browning was really good. But uh, and I, uh, of course, I remember him as a Husky. His last year was 2018. Right. And I think he played against Gardner Minshew in the Apple Cup because Gardner Minshew went to Washington State. Right. I, I mean, I mean, Jake Browning had an interesting Husky career. He was there for all four years, but his best year was his second year. And then his third and fourth weren't all that great. Other quarterback matchups that you get to, quote-unquote, look forward to this weekend, Baker Mayfield versus Desmond Ritter. Uh, Lou Dobbs, better known as Josh Dobbs, versus Aiden O'Connell. And Bryce Young versus Jameis Winston, which might be the best of the bunch, amazingly. It's crazy how bad quarterbacking is right now. And what we learned, Bruff walks around in GTA with, witnessing all the chaos, just tisking. This city has changed. This isn't what it used to be. Yeah, I walk around, I was like, must be a Democrat mayor. He's breaking the law. He's breaking the law. He's definitely breaking the law. Yeah. Just shaking your these, head. And these, pro- these progressives have yeah. ruined this city. Just shaking his head. Oh, look at this. How do we clean out crime? There's going to be a mode for that by this point, right? It's the sixth version of the game. <laughs> Conservative mode? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like, re- now this I like. <laughs> yeah. Finally into gaming. I'm like Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Dom, Dom from Coquitlam. Grand uh, Theft Auto. The cleanup mode. <laughs> yeah. We got to be tough on crime. Yeah. Shut down the, the broken park. windows theme. Is that what it was called? The broken windows theory or shut something Shut down the like parks that? at 8 o'clock at night. As soon as it turns dark, <laughs> shut down the parks. Uh, Dom from Coquitlam, what we learned, um, the famously private Otani won't even let people know his dog's name. Ross Atkins reportedly switched his scheduled in-person meeting availability to Zoom, then declined to tell reporters where he was. Throw him off the scent. Otani's agent was not believed to be in Nashville on Monday either. Otani is thought to be at home somewhere in the Western United States, perhaps with his dog, whose name he has also not disclosed. This is the level of secrecy we are dealing with. Are they going to get Otani? Are they playing the secrecy game okay, so, so well? Can we talk about how hard it must be for Otani to maintain a very private life mm-hmm. with all the Japanese media following his every single move? But wasn't that the same uh, dynamic with Ichiro, too? He was inordinately, like, private. And that, yep. and, that um, and it took... Uh, the, and there were throngs of reporters covering yeah, him yeah. as well, and they could never sort of... Penetrate, that was half the, that was half the, the Mariners' attendance eventually. It's a, yeah, it's a very Japanese fluid media. situation, but we are at the point now where people are tracking private flights. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the and, flight track. And there have been many private flights, Orange County back to Florida. There was a couple yesterday. That's really annoying, by the way. It yeah. happens to me all the time. Yeah. 
I hate it when they track my PJ. Yeah, that's uh, it's but it's it's brutal. there's a recent tweet Ben Nicholson Smith saying that the Jays are still underdogs. Mm-hmm. The general consensus is the Dodgers have the the pathway to Otani. The Jays are the ones fighting to. Well, I think yeah, make I think a dent. The, I think the Jays are like if there's two groups, the Jays are the group that like has to win over mm-hmm. Otani. Right. Whereas the Dodgers are maybe just like expected to get him. I don't they've know, been prepping man. for two we'll, years to sign we'll see. Them, essentially. Um, I we'll see. The Columbus Blue Jackets signed Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Still go back to that pretty, every time. Very similar situation. Very similar situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve from Prince George. Laddie, this one's for you. Hashtag mm-hmm. WWE what we learned. Laddie, a goalie on the Prince George Cougars, Ravensburg, had five shutouts. And then this one really takes a turn. Ravensburgen. Yeah, Ravensburgen. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. from North Van. I, I love Steve sending this in, but Steve, you got to clean this one up, bud. So, uh, can you tell me the the story? Because yeah, this is so a bit, he, this is a bit janky. Eligible for even till the next draft, not the one coming up, but the one after that. Okay. And he's on a tear. He's got five shutouts already. Uh, Nine forty four save percentage in fourteen games as a seventeen year old, undrafted, God. undrafted WHL kid. Uh, yeah, he he's actually put got him a, on Team Canada got, for the Olympics. He's got a great story <laughs> though. Him. You he, mean the World Juniors? No, I mean the Olympics. <laughs> he was part of a group of boys <laughs> who saved a life. On Grouse Mountain in 2019, really, a teenager, they caught a boy who was dangling from the ski lift. They oh tore God. apart part of the fencing and caught him on the way down. There's a story if you look up his name. Holy cow! He is an incredible oh, so they person. Made like a... they all kind of made like a net right. with human the, net with the netting that's supposed to block you from sliding off the course, mm-hmm. and ended up catching this kid and stopping him from breaking all his bones, dropping off the ski. And lift. he's got a 944 save percentage. And he's got that's a 944 amazing. save. And the more guys, impressive thing is the save percentage. Well, right. and it's a it's <laughs> a heartwarming <laughs> story too. Nice to have, but it's a heartwarming story because he's a local kid. And I don't know if you guys remember a few weeks ago we talked about Sean Murray, the goalie coach that passed away. Yeah. This was one of his kids. This is one of the kids that he trained a lot growing up. So mm. it's kind of endearing to see him having this sort of stretch. In the wake of good goalie, Sean Murray passing Greg. away. So yeah, it's uh, an eye to, a name to keep an eye on for not this draft, but the next one. John in Colwood, what we learned. I used to worry that torrential rains would skewer a future dream of the Hughes brothers joining Quinn on the Canucks one day. Then in October, I rode the train from Philly to New York that goes right past the Prudential Center where the Devils play. Even a plague of locusts wouldn't make Vancouver a less appealing destination than Newark. Yeah, Newark's not great. Yeah, but you're in and you're out, right, of the Prudential Center. They all live in the suburbs. in and out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not like, I live right by the arena. (laughs) Some people do. They're called prisoners. Yeah, um, clockwork. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a tough part of town. It's not great, but it's a nice rink. We've been to the arena. It's the rink's nice rink. The yeah. rink's fine, but it is not in a great. But you remember, area. like a lot of it's about where do they practice? There's a real good barbecue joint right next to it, dinosaur barbecue. But that's about it. I, remember, I just remember going. <laughs> they sell actual dinosaur. Meat? Yeah, <laughs> brontosaurus ribs. They're <laughs> delicious. Um, I remember. I just remember going. We were there for the draft, the now infamous Corey Schneider trade. Yeah, the Horvat draft, and. I remember everyone kind of had the same sentiment, like you were saying, like it, you know, you don't spend a lot of time there, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. If you do spend a lot of time there, it's not going well for you personally. Yeah, that's kind of like a what I call a wallet in the front part pocket part of town. That's true. Yeah, roll them up. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, roll them up. Yeah. Uh, This comes in from the mildly athletic quarterback. 
Well, Cody Fajardo texting in. Yeah. <laughs> what we learned. It's great cup champion, Cody Fajardo to you. What we learned, Arsenal can go six points clear of Man City and five points clear of Liverpool today at the top of the Premier League, albeit having played a game more. Halford, you didn't believe in Arsenal last year and unfortunately turned out to be correct. That's Do right. you believe that this more experienced and improved Arsenal side have a better chance at winning the league. City's just dropping, throwing points all over the place. Three draws on the hop. Yeah. And then they Chelsea, drew Spurs. They drew it's uh, Chelsea 4 4, Liverpool 1 1, and then Spurs 3 3. So they've been wildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. They're having problems keeping the ball out of the back of their net now. And then uh, Champions League, they had to rally. They were down 2 0 to Leipzig, and they had to rally there. So maybe City is down just a little bit. I would still put a fair amount of money on them to win the Premier League title, though. So best of luck to Arsenal, though. Arsenal plays. Um, Liverpool in a huge match like two days before Christmas. It's on the 23rd, so that'll be one of the big Christmas matches that we can all watch. 9.30 our time. Kickoff. Just a little teaser there. Anyway, there's a lot on tap tonight as well. If you're going downtown, enjoy yourselves. Have fun at the Canucks game. Have fun at the Christine Sinclair farewell game. Uh, We will be back tomorrow to talk about them all. But today we got to go. Signing off. I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.